This is KGMI Connects with Joe Tian, a live local show about our community and you on KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and KGMI.com. Well, thanks for joining us here on this Friday afternoon and an interesting discussion coming up and I hope you'll be part of it. Here on KGMI Connects, our phone number 360-676-5464. And we've got a couple of guests here in the studio. And we're going to talk homelessness and housing. And uh, the two kind of go hand in hand, I guess. And uh, joining us here in the studio, and as I said, I hope you call us as well and uh, offer your thoughts and opinions on this. But Mike McCauley is a former Port of Bellingham commissioner. Uh, he ran for mayor uh, this year. Didn't didn't make it through the primary, but we won't hold it against no, you. We won't talk about that. Yeah, today. that's right. Uh, <laughs> Happy <laughs> talking about the 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 big lift. This is uh, a, 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 an idea that's been going around for the last few years. But also with us, Scott Pelton with the uh, Whatcom Housing Alliance. Great to have both of you guys here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. And uh, well, let's start. I guess let's start with the homeless is- homeless issue and. Uh, you know, and I've I've heard about the big lift, and uh, I, it, it's it sounds like a catchphrase. But what what is the big lift, Mike? Well, in in a you know in a nutshell, there's six elements to it, right? And it really boils down to mostly just one thing: is getting people off the streets and out of the woods. You know, getting, living outdoors is is already hard, right? In the Pacific Northwest, is it's extremely hard. So the the big lift attempts to sort of uh, one acknowledge that we have this problem, right? And just state it up front and then, you know, provide a, a solution. So there's six parts to it, but uh, essentially that's just really just getting people um, to acknowledge a problem and present a, a viable solution. Um, solutions that we see tried around the world, but we haven't really, well, we haven't at all tackled it uh, or tried it here yet. So it's not necessarily a plan per se that's that's hammered out and ready to roll. It's uh, it's uh, to get people talking about the issue. A, a little bit, yeah. There's there's one because there are six parts to it, right? One of those parts, or maybe two of those parts, is literally a a plan to get people on off the streets. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, you know, we've got to start as far as uh, tiny homes. Uh, we've got three, I guess, three tiny home villages mm-hmm. here mm-hmm. in Bellingham. They yeah. seem to be successful. They, they are, you know, um, and let me draw a distinction. So the, um, I call them microhomes, and then uh, you also have a, a segment of those microhomes that are emergency or interim um, shelter, right? So what we see right now is the 70, I think there's 72 of those microhomes that are in three different locations around the city, and those are providing temporary shelters. So the, the idea behind the microhomes, and um, oh, let, me, let me separate the two for real quick. So tiny homes is a separate thing because it's actually in the building code now. So the microhomes aren't a thing that you find in the building code. Right? Okay, so the microhomes are what we'd see uh, in these yes. these villages exactly. there and down at yep. Post Point. And, yeah, okay. and, and, and typically you call them interim emergency shelter. Right? Mm-hmm. And, okay. you, you know, you'd like for people to be in there only from the time where they're able to enter until they get that permanent home that, that we, you know, that so many organizations around the community are really working on getting the permanent um, set up for those people. But uh, part of the problem is that, you know, um, typical new projects coming online in Bellingham are four hundred to $500,000 per unit for these, uh, for these houses, uh, mostly their apartments. And at that rate, the money runs out really, really quickly. So the, the, the difference between being completely outdoors and in one of those, those new apartments is the, the emergency micro shelter. 
So the tiny homes is one thing, and I think a lot of people have seen that. There's some uh, local resources here. We have a, a fellow that lives in our county that was the host of a, a show called Tiny House Nation, Zach Giffen. And uh, we've been talking to him a lot about different um, ideas with tiny homes and how we can incorporate that into our, um, I don't know if it's really into the code here, um, the land use code, but more just like as part of a, a solution. But the interim micro shelters are a fantastic way to get people off the streets. And, and that's what, uh, in, in the big lift, that's one of the, the big pushes is to get people off the streets into the emergency micro shelters. And of course, they, they have to be, they, it's not just the, the ground and the, and the, the build the, the, or the shelters themselves, but then they have to be ma- managed, right? You, you do. You know, the, the nice thing is that if we, if we look around not just the country but around the world, right? Uh, I, I read recently that um, probably in the next 20 years about uh, 20% of humanity will live in what we call slums, and those are the sort of makeshift housing situations. So we know that humans can gather and we can self sort of govern our, you know, govern our situations, right? So if you see these, these uh, micro home villages around the country, you'll find that a lot of them are self-governing and they're doing really, really well. You know, they've got rules. They're not just free for all. I know a lot of folks, that are especially the, the law enforcement types, they're really nervous about a Thunderdome situation. But the truth, you know, when, when you look at what's really going on out there, they're not just free for all places that people can just do whatever they want. They're wonderful, yeah. I'm impressed. Uh, okay, impressed but but um, well, do they is that that um, uh, I guess governing structure is that does that come about organically or homogeneous? <laughs> There's a lot of different ways to get there. Some of them are very self-governing. Uh, believe it or not, one of the oldest sort of makeshift housing situations in the United States is in Hawaii, and it's completely self-governing. It was literally just a bunch of people living off the grid um, because that's pretty expensive, right? So a lot of uh-huh. people they created a village there and. And over the years, there's been attempts to get rid of it, and the people, you know, fight back, and then the, the local citizens there have said, no, they're doing great. It's, it's a situation that's really functioning for them, so leave them alone. Completely self-governing. And then, you know, you can get to the other end of the spectrum, which is it's, it's heavily managed. So there's a little bit in, in between. And I think that if you um, – when you intake people, right – you, you have to, you can't just invite anybody into the community, right? <clears throat> so you have right. to do an intake, and if they don't fit, then, then they might have to be in a different situation somewhere else. What, what type of funding is available for managing those? Like, wh- wh- where, where do we identify that funding? How's, yeah. yeah, right now it's just mostly emergency, uh, emergency funding. The, the state's throwing more money into this, uh, which is really nice. The, the, the governor has, has thrown a plan out that says we want to spend $4 billion on with right. a B. With a B. Uh-huh. And, and just to give you a perspective of how quickly the money runs out, the legislature in, the, in this past um, session put another $400 million towards this affordable housing problem, yeah. mostly towards the very low end of the spectrum, people who really can't afford housing at all. Okay. That's only 1,000 units. That's 1,000 units. Wow. 400, 400 million. million. 400 because it costs million. five about. <clears throat> right? Yeah. So it, it, the Samish Commons yeah. came in around four, the, the brand new one, they came in around 400,000 per unit. Uh, typical up here, it's at four to five. There are a few places around uh, the state where they're coming in around 300,000. Usually those are rehab buildings. But uh, if you just do the math, 400 more million dollars for the entire state produces 1,000 new housing units for extremely low-income people. 50 so, a county. Yeah. 50 a county. And, and so this is, uh, we're talking like, uh, like, an apartment type so or it, what kind of a what kind of a shelter the state, are we talking about no like a th- think of like a 900 square foot studio mm-hmm. really uh, about four yep. to five hundred thousand i think that number's up closer to five hundred thousand dollars now yep. um the we we focus on supply at the, at the wha and part of that is finding uh, partnerships between public private partnerships the um the development community can develop 
uh, similar homes for about three hundred to three hundred fifty thousand dollars, and they're not cheaper. They're not cheaper as in they're making a cheap product. It's uh-huh. just cheaper to build. Huh. They're still developing uh, high-end, um, very livable, beautiful homes for people. It just costs less. But I guess, um, and I've never built a home. I've yeah. I've bought a homes. So I you know I've taken out mortgages to buy a home. But that seems really, really expensive to me, and I, I'm wondering why is it so. so I mean, the building you're constrained by by um, fixed cost for one of the actual products itself, of, of what makes the home itself. Now we're in you know an inflationary period where the uh, what it costs to build is so high, and Mike knows this better than most people. But uh-huh. like it just what it costs to actually build, and then there's everything else that goes into that. I mean, there's the labor. You're doing uh, prevailing wage, some of it, uh, mm-hmm. with, um, but that's only a very small percentage of the actual cost. There's just it just costs more, yeah, a lot more. Uh-huh. Yeah. And we're talking about, I mean, say uh, a multi-unit building, mm-hmm. then each unit would cost roughly that much. Yes. Oh yeah, all of them. So, yeah. so you don't get much on scale. You don't get much on scale. Uh, yeah. So you're building a 10, 10, 10 unit apartment building. You're talking four uh, million dollars or something. Right. Yeah, wow. you're talking four million dollars, and that's yeah. yeah that that also includes. Yes, there's a number of other costs mm-hmm. that go into that, but yeah. Yeah, and that's not just construction costs, right? That's no. land acquisition. That's, yeah. uh-huh. that's uh-huh. the plans. It's a start to finish kind of a like sure. A, yeah. 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 But okay. you know, when in the aggregate, it, you would think that the more units you do, the better. But when you when you do too many units, well, I shouldn't say too many. If you did <laughs> yeah. if you did a ten unit structure, that's a different that's a different building than a hundred unit structure. Mm-hmm. Right. So right. the costs aren't just you know times ten there. Uh huh. Uh huh. Okay. And I suppose with a hundred unit too, it, I mean it's. It's kind of like anything. The, the more you build of something or make of something, the the the, the unit price goes down. Theoretically, kind of. I don't. I honestly, <laughs> I really. don't think it really it does. I'm, uh-huh. I would surprise me if it didn't. There was no change, yeah. but I don't think it's appreciable enough to be uh-huh. like, yeah. I mean, um, that's a great <laughs> well, developer question. Or what it is? I've seen the performance for yeah. 120 mm-hmm. units, um, and I think you know I've seen them around. Yeah, I've seen it perform. I can't remember what the number was, but it was somewhere around $25 million, $30 million. I can't remember how many units was in it, but um, yeah, it's an extreme amount of money. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Well, what about, you know, we hear, uh, well, we don't have that. You know, we, we have a housing, a shortage of housing that drives the price up. And maybe, Scott, you could talk to this, uh, you know, yeah. we hear, oh, we just need more supply, build more, but won't, you know, wouldn't uh, the, the average developer, and, and I'm not disparaging developers they're in the business of developing to, to make money and when don't they wouldn't they be more likely to build you know single family homes that are fairly large that are going to sell for a lot of money uh, they just- i mean i work every day with developers uh-huh. and there's some amazing um big-hearted developers that are literally trying to just build us homes mm-hmm. and they are um hamstrung by a number of things that are outside of their control and things that we work on, we, you know, we'd like to make it cheaper and easier to build. Mm-hmm. Some of that comes down to permitting. Some of that comes down to incentives. Um, you know, we're, we just got, uh, the WHA just received $200,000 proviso funding from um, the Commerce Department to do a uh, countywide MFTE analysis, which is a multifamily tax exemption. The multifamily tax exemption has three tiers, the eight-year, the 12-year, and the 20-year. And what that does is it allows a developer to be tax exempt for those stated periods of times. And at the 12 and the 20, it um, incents them to include a percentage of affordable housing identified at a certain AMI. AMI is area median income. Uh-huh. Um, and so there's a number of different tools we have that developers use 
to increase supply. And we want to make it easier to do that and cheaper to do that. Um, we work on education, we work on policy, and we work on uh, technical research at a state and uh, local level. Yeah. And it, it's important to understand what the AMI does, though. So where you've even got affordable housing, like like Scott was just talking about, um, AMI with the, with the median income that assumes everybody is is, is working, right? Mm-hmm. So when you when you start talking about people that are more on fixed incomes, yeah. that's where you're really seeing a big problem where people are dropping out of the the ability to pay because a lot of these a lot of these affordable units they also go up and in, in the, the, the the rents go up because uh-huh. they have right? because yeah. in some respects. I'm not saying in some respects they kind of have to. There's fixed costs that these well-intended borderline altruistic organizations like the housing authority are shouldered with Mm -hmm. that they have to then raise their rent even incrementally to keep, to keep servicing the larger community. So we think about affordable housing and, and, you know, uh, I can say capping, but like, you know, those, those are for our fixed income community. Um, they are also at risk from this, and it's it's scary, right? It's very uh, yeah, scary. Yeah. I, I um, yeah. I'll, I'll probably tell a couple of stories today, and I want to get back to the big lift when we yeah. can. But, but um, I was uh, volunteering at one of the overnight shelters a number of years ago. It was cold out, you know, and and I was chatting with this fellow, and and uh, his rent went up sixty dollars. Uh huh. But he's on a fixed income. He says, I, yeah. I don't have the extra sixty dollars. Yeah. You know? So he's on he's on the street. Wow. Wow. Our guests, Michael McCauley and Scott Pelton. Uh, Scott is with the uh, Whatcom Housing Alliance. Uh, Michael McCauley has been involved in uh, uh, just in our community Stuff. for years. Yeah. And, <laughs> Everything. Uh, he's a builder as well. <laughs> Thank you. And we're talking how housing and homelessness. And uh, we'll, we want your input as well. Three six zero six seven six five four six four. Back in just a moment here on KGMI Connects. Can I help you? Is this the rain dropping clinic? Yeah, our lit sign must have shorted out from all this rain. Sorry, how can I help? Well, yeah, it is this rain that's brought me in today. Is there a rain-related problem we can help you with? Yeah, what are your recommendations for driving on the highway at night in the rain? We discourage it, especially at night. Ever heard of spectacular reflection? No. Is that a thing? Yeah. The wet road becomes like a mirror. That's spectacular reflection. Also, your eyes are dilated, letting in more light. Your windshield might be fogging, wipers bad, tires balding, and all this at highway speed. Huh. Wow. What do you recommend? Take Bel Air Airport or shuttle. A bus is much safer, and your driver is uniquely qualified to handle rain. Take a break from the hazards of driving to SeaTac Airport. With multiple daily round trips, you'll save on fuel, parking, and avoid stressful driving on wet highways. Book today at airporter.com. That's airporter.com. Hi, this is Marcia Neal. You probably know me from Vibrant USA. We are excited to announce we are now Guided Solutions. That's right, we have a new name. We are continuing to offer our same great services and look forward to hearing from you. Are you approaching retirement and need help navigating Medicare? Are you on Medicare and want updates on potential changes for 2024? Our agents are here to help, so give us a call at 866-733-5111. Joe Tian here, and I want to invite you to join KGMI on a once-in-a-lifetime adventure with Bel Air Tours and Adventures next June. You'll spend six incredible days in Boston, Cape Cod, and all the surrounding islands. It's KGMI's Cape Cod and the Islands Tour with our own Diana Herolik. Learn more about it this week. Two free informative meetings happening this Wednesday and Thursday. Join Bel Air Tours and KGMI at 6.30 Wednesday night at the Barkley Village Jalapenos Restaurant in Bellingham and at 6.30 Thursday night at Rustler's Front Street Grill in Linden. The KGMI Cape Cod and the Islands Tour. 
Discover where Paul Revere started his famous midnight ride. Visit Martha's Vineyard and Nantucket Island. This is a bucket list trip led by a professional guide with plenty of time for exploring on your own. Join KGMI and Bel Air Tours for a free informational evening. 6.30 Wednesday at Barkley Jalapenos in Bellingham and 6.30 Thursday in Linden at Rustler's Front Street Grill. Details at KGMI.com. KGMI invites you to check out the new menu from an award-winning chef at the Bistro at the newly renovated Shucks and Golf Club. With flavors inspired by New Orleans, with ingredients from the Pacific Northwest, you'll enjoy one of the most creative restaurants in the region. All this week, listen to the KGMI Morning News and the KGMI Afternoon News to score a gift certificate to enjoy the Bistro at the newly renovated Shucks and Golf Club. Enjoy a handcrafted menu with a PNW flair, the Bistro at Shucksin. With KGMI. We're taking your calls live on KGMI Connects. 360-676-5464. Thanks for joining us here on KGMI Connects. And uh, we've got a couple of guests here in the studio as we talk about homelessness and housing. Michael McCauley here with us and Scott Pelton. And... Uh, both involved in uh, this issue in in, for, in different ways. And uh, let's see, let's go to the phone. Let's go to Bruce in Bellingham. Hi, Bruce. Hi, Joe. Hi, gentlemen. Yeah, I have a question concerning, uh, well, one, the uh, $4 billion from uh, uh, Olympia, that's going to be in a bond issue. And uh, also... Is this going to be under the arm of the housing authority, or how is uh, maintenance going to be handled on these uh, homes? You know the answer on that one yet? No, I don't. I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I mean, I heard, it, I heard it from you. I know. I don't, I'm I don't, excited uh, to learn from you on this. <laughs> I don't think there's a, a, an answer yeah. on that. You know that the governors uh, across the country and, and like presidents, they, they throw out these great ideas. So it, yeah. it's an idea the legislature has to hash it out and – if it even happens at all, but I imagine it would be a bonded, uh, a bonded amount. A lot of this stuff gets figured out in committee too. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. We'll, yeah. but it would be money that the legislature would a- allocate rather than. I mean, we wouldn't vote on this, would we? No, I, am, oh. I don't think so. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't think it's something that we vote. Well, they'll put it on our ballot, and it's one of those dumb things that we. Oh right. That, yeah. That, 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 yeah advisory. You would you'd go back and approve well, it. Well, basically, didn't they? Didn't they get rid of those in oh, the last no, session? Oh, I, did they? I, I, I. It seems to me that I think they did. I think they they right. passed a, a bill saying let's get rid of those. Where they don't do anything it's anyway. Dumb. Like, you're just yeah. wasting ink. Yeah. Because yes. yeah, <laughs> we'll say yeah, I can say no all day, but they're just still going to do what they want to do. Yeah. Yeah. We're mad about it, but you did. Yeah. Thanks for giving me a voice. Well, let's go to Michael in Ferndale. Hi, Michael. Hello there. Hey, I, I just wanted to comment. I'm a developer. I've been developing in Bellingham and Ferndale and Whatcom County for about 30 years. Right now, I'm completing a 66 unit right next to the WTA Transit Base right in Ferndale at exit 262, right next to the Ferndale Food Bank. 66 units, $275. Per unit, two hundred seventy-five thousand per unit, okay. not five hundred, not three hundred, yes. two seventy-five, hmm. and uh, I have made it available to the Opportunity Council for eighteen million. I've made it available to the county. I've I've contacted just about everybody, and nobody's interested. Hmm. That's uh, that's very curious. They can it, buy it right now for eighteen million dollars. I think it's and put it into and. 
they could not find a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. I, I, uh, I've offered similar things over the years, and there's no takers. I, they, first... end up, they end up uh, building very expensive um, uh, buildings, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, they don't get the value. I... So there you go. That's... Thank, okay. thank you. Thank yeah. you. Um, first off, thank you so much for building homes in our community. Um, that is a, that is an admirable job. And I, I really respect the people that do that. I can't really comment as to the, um, dynamics there. I don't know what the nonprofit or the county saw to be able to make a decision. Uh, you know, I don't, oh, I don't know, sure. I don't know what I they just, weigh. Yeah. Yeah. My main comment, yeah. my main comment was you build them at 500,000. It's, it's yeah. extremely expensive. Well over a million, million mm-hmm. and a half in permit fees and connection fees and all those things. They can be built inexpensively by private people like myself and offered up. This is why we uh, work so closely with our development community. Because um, Let let me ask, I mean, do nonprofits traditionally buy units like this or buildings like this, or aren't they privately owned generally and then then rented out? Go ahead. Go ahead, ahead, Michael. I'll share something with you on that. Uh Um, What the, uh, the money is available. But you need to have a sponsor. Like Northwest Youth Services has that uh, 40 unit on uh, State Street. Um, with, with, uh, you know, the Northwest Youth Services is a sponsor. Opportunity Council is, is a sponsor. They run most of the homeless, uh, 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 most of the mercy housing and a lot of that type of thing. Uh, anyway, hmm. so, yes, okay. they can be purchased, but... These will be brought in uh, at market rents. We do. I do. I was one of the very first to accept Section Eight many years ago when they were uh, when they were when when you know there was a, a lot of uh, landlords said no Section Eight, but they can be built. These are all also very well appointed. They have washers, dryers. They have everything in there, and that. Hmm. Again, if anybody's listening, $18 million, you can have 66 units. All right. I would love to show people around. <laughs> Thanks, Michael. Yeah. Thank you, Michael. I, I, love, right. I love that story. I, I know that um, just to get to the heart of, of you know why some, some group didn't buy it, right? Hmm. So when when you're dealing with these issues, and, and Scott, you probably know this way better than I do, but probably not. You've got you've got, <laughs> that's probably you, Michael. You've got federal, as usual. You've got federal dollars, you got state dollars, you got local tax dollars, right? Uh-huh. So when you start adding up all of the requirements to satisfy the use of those dollars, if someone said, "Hey, I just built this building, come buy it," you're, you're never going to find a public agency to buy it mm-hmm. because there's no way to satisfy all the requirements of how that yeah. money was spent in the first place. So mm-hmm. that's why that public-private partnership is so critical, and you know, in a lot of ways, the money gets spent. But it's also, you know, in a way you say, well, oh, couldn't we be more streamlined or why mm-hmm. not buy this this building from Michael in, in, in Ferndale? Like, okay, mm-hmm. it sounds like a really good deal. Right. Except that, you know, if you're in Washington, D.C. or, or you're in, in Olympia. Public you're, funds. You're worried about, well, is someone, you know, is someone kind of getting a backdoor deal here? And then it gets sketchy and people start walking away from it. So you layer on all these regulations, yeah. how the, how the money is going to get spent, and suddenly it gets a little more complicated. Yeah. I would love to find a way to, you know, make, I mean. Streamline. Way, way, way above me. Yeah. Streamlining, I'm definitely yeah. a fan of streamlining. Yeah. I just, uh-huh. yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I recall um, Michael Lilliquist on the city council at one time saying um, when we're talking about this issue and he, he made the point that uh, for the city, for instance, uh, you know, the, the, it's it's not they're not set up to 
take over and and you know like run uh, something like this, they would be they would write a check to mm-hmm. an organization that's already set up to mm-hmm. run a shelter or run a what have you in yeah. you know and 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 I suppose like with an opportunity council or a, a, a nonprofit like that they're maybe kind of the same thing that uh I mean I think there's we, difference. Can, we can help get you money to pay the rent but to run a building and and do all the maintenance and all right. that stuff it's a whole whole nother bag well that's one of the things in the in the um the, the big lift right so not just acknowledging that we have a, have a problem and saying you know we are we are promising shelter to every person in the state of Washington. That's, and, and I really wish that this idea could gain traction across the state so that every community is doing the exact same thing and we don't have you know, magnet communities, right? So that's really critical. But, but part of that is the government's embracing the risk. That's literally in one of the six points is instead of saying, well, we're not really set up for it, we'll then get set up for it, right? Because if we're waiting for some other private organization, we've been waiting a long time, clearly other private organizations aren't going to step up, which is fine. You know, you, you can't force people to do something like this. But if, if we identify that there is a problem and we are willing to write a check for that problem, but nobody steps up to solve it for us, even though we're going to pay, then maybe it's time for us to step up and do it on our own. All right. Be back in just a moment. Uh, Michael McCauley is our guest, uh, former commissioner of the Port of Bellingham, and uh, Scott Pelton with the Whatcom Housing Alliance. We're talking housing and homelessness, and uh, we got other folks on the line. We'll get right to them and uh, be back in a moment. 360-676-5464. With today's rising costs, it can be a challenge to feed your family. And Little Caesars wants to give back to our community with a customer appreciation day. And not just one day, every Tuesday. Pick up two large cheese or two pepperoni pizzas plus free crazy bread for just $13.99. You heard right, $13.99. No need to order ahead. Just walk in and they will have it hot and ready. Or if you prefer to call ahead, they will be happy to take your order. And now you can place your two for Tuesday deal for online orders too. Just download the Little Caesars mobile app or visit them on the web at littlecaesars.com. Choose your closest Whatcom County or Skagit store. Add two classic pizzas and a crazy bread to the cart and enter the promo code two for Tuesday at checkout. That's the number two for Tuesday at checkout. It really is that easy. Where else can you feed your family, friends, or crew for just $13.99? Little Caesars, the world's easiest way to pizza. Locally owned and operated in Whatcom and Skagit County since 1988. Pizza, pizza. Cascade Natural Gas is offering energy efficiency rebates so you can enjoy more comfort in every room of your home and a lower energy bill, all while earning cash incentives. Want to find out more about insulating your home floors, walls, ceiling, and attic to keep it warm in the winter and cool in the summer, and earn Cascade rebates? Call Aero Insulation, a Cascade Natural Gas trade ally, to learn more about how air sealing and insulation can improve your comfort and health and lower your energy bills. The team at Aero Insulation serves Whatcom, Island, Skagit, Snohomish, and King Counties. And they're experts in Cascades rebates that'll make air sealing and insulating a no-brainer. Call Aero Insulation today at 877-658-WARM and online at GoAeroInc.com. So if you're a Cascade Natural Gas customer, take another walk through your home and start thinking of all the rebates you could earn when you upgrade the energy efficiency of your home. Don't wait. Find out more today at CNGC.com to start earning your cash rebates. Hear that? 
That's the sound of winter on its way. It's wet, it's windy, and ice and snow aren't far behind. This year, be ready for the Northwest's winter weather with a 24 Subaru Outback from Dewey Griffin Subaru. It'll keep you and your family safe no matter the weather with all-wheel drive and an all-new standard safety package. Plus, up to 32 miles per gallon fuel economy. Dewey Griffin Subaru. Community-minded, community-driven, and the only Subaru certified tire and service center in Whatcom County. The latest local news and important topics of the day from the West Mechanical Studio. Tired of inefficient heating, poor indoor air quality, and rising energy bills? Contact West Mechanical today to explore going ductless with a system from Mitsubishi Electric Heating and Air Conditioning. Find them at westmechanical.net. Get the latest news and information 24-7 with KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and KGMI.com. We're taking your calls live on KGMI Connects, 360-676-5464. Thanks for joining us here on this Friday afternoon. We're talking housing and homelessness with uh, our two guests here in the studio, Scott Pelton with the Watkin Housing Alliance and uh, former Port of Bellingham Commissioner and Builder, Michael McCauley. And, of course, you as well. Quick, before we get back into it, let's... uh, invite sherry into the program hi sherry oh hi thank you very much for this topic um really interesting and certainly appreciate uh the information about uh build, about building uh, more apartment complexes or buildings for a low-income people in the meantime there are hundreds of people tonight out in the cold freezing fingers freezing toes have maybe have not eaten for a day or three, and while they wait, while we wait for those uh, buildings to be built, thank God that's beginning to take hold and starting. And great ideas like these are going to keep that going. Tiny homes are really the only way to approach that. You know, we've tried motels, we've tried well, there's you know Walmart's um, the camp behind there. There's all kinds of things. Homes now started with uh, 25 tents uh, downtown in the winter of, two, of 2019. Mm-hmm. And that was the year of the big blizzard. And so we found out right away tents don't work in, the, in, the, in the, this weather, mm-hmm. in this climate. And after that uh, is when the, the seeds for the, home, the, the, the two homes in our villages uh, started. They um, provide a roof, they provide heat, they provide uh, food, and um, and these are mostly donations, as well as shower and safety and defense and community. And it's the only way to wait for these fabulous buildings that are coming. And they are fabulous. I've been in some of them that have opened up around town, and it is an absolute gift and they are beautifully done and that's what we're waiting for but it shouldn't have to be on the corners of every street in town and listen to everybody complain about it so that's what i have to say i would appreciate all and every um word of support for tiny homes to say nothing of finances so 
Okay. Thank you very much. Thanks, Sherry. Well, what about like we hear about pallet homes? Yeah. Uh, Michael, maybe you have some thoughts on that? Yeah, that's actually, I think, the name of a company down in um, Everett. Yeah. Yeah, so you can get their their interim emergency shelter. They also sell this to FEMA, by the way. So you can Mm -hmm. get one of their units, um, $12,000, purchase price delivered and set up. Okay, so if we had a, we, we do what's called a, a point in time count, we should do it more yeah. often, but we do it once a year and need to do it more. Um, but the last one we had said that there's a, a thousand people unhoused in Whatcom County. Okay, so do the math, the 12,000 times a thousand, right? So and they think tw- that's well, drastically. Yeah, <clears throat> all right. So, mm-hmm. so it's not a huge amount of money to, to put us uh, uh, every single unhoused person into one of these emergency micro shelters. Is it easy? It's not super easy, but it's also not as hard as, as, finding permanent shelter for all of those people so that the the i i completely agree with the caller thank you for saying that right so the the we don't have enough housing for me it's not an answer because we have these emergency options available to us and um i appreciate what the what the mission has been doing over the years and, and what the the uh, overnight shelters are, are able to accomplish at least this winter i feel like we need to stop doing that and get into something a little bit more permanent Mm-hmm. Um, because those are, you know, overnight shelter is overnight shelter. And a lot of people need much, much more than overnight shelter. And we know that if you get them into something that's that's more than overnight shelter, you improve their life situation, you start giving them hope, and their life will turn around. You see it every single day. Yeah, well, I, I guess that was my next question. What if we say we created a, a tiny home village that – was big enough to, or several of them that yeah. were big enough Se- to, it's to several. You don't to, want too to big. Get, yeah. get everybody yeah. out of the out of the woods and out of the tents and yeah. and what is there to keep there to keep any of them from becoming something like what we see out Manage- by Walmart or I mean that's it's, it's management and that's what I love this idea. Yeah. I want to I want to know. Um, I would love to find the location where it goes, mm-hmm. and then I toured the one on. U, U Street, actually, uh-huh. here U Street, um, and it was. I was just like, "Oh my gosh, this is amazing! We need, we need this to be funded because I know there's a, the, I think there's a contract associated with it in terms of funding there are, that, yeah, that is yeah. potentially. I don't. I thought there was a sunset involved somewhere, but anyways, I want. How do we permanently assure that there's management services to do exactly what Joe's saying, which mm-hmm. is to assure that? And I think it's that in accompaniment with. What happens when you get a group of people together caring about something is they're going to, uh, you know, take care of the thing that they care about. Right. Like think, you mentioned down in, um, where was the example? It was, oh, Hawaii. Yeah. Self managed. Yeah. yeah. And if you look around the country, and I'm not going to use examples outside of the U.S. because some uh, of them are they're culturally, you know, dr- yeah. dramatically different, right? Uh-huh. But if you look around the country here, the self management tends to do really well. And, you know, you talk about crime and crime goes down. There's, there's, uh, as far as the, the most recent studies are showing, there's no increase in crime when you, when you put one of these, micro home villages in, in, an, in an area, right? So you typically see t- crime go down, but never up. Mm-hmm. So we know that we know that one, we've given people hope, we're reducing the amount of crime in your community, we're spending less money, right? Um, just chasing down a problem, and now we've got a solution that's available. And again, it's interim, and interim to you and me might be a lot different than a lot of people think, right? So interim to me, it might take a year or two to get a permanent housing solution for a lot of these people. But we got to do something in between, and this is the that's the in between. Is thing. that the similar that that phrasing of interim? I, I wonder if it's categorized similar as a temporary supportive housing. I don't I don't but, know how that's funded. Yeah, if yeah. that's the same thing. Yeah. Certainly. Okay. But I guess then I mean, what about we're taking someone who maybe has addiction issues yep. or yep. mental health issues, yep. what have you, that uh, has rendered them homeless? Mm-hmm. We get them into a temporary one of these temporary situations. Mm-hmm. We maybe get them into a tiny home village. 
but then to them for them to trans trans uh, transfer then into uh, a per, more permanent housing in an apartment or something like that. I mean, don't they have to make that leap but to that be able is, to afford a thousand dollars a month or something? Yeah, or? I mean, that stability provides them the opportunity to do that. To do that, it is provides them and the services that provide them um, that support to give them the opportunity to go through that moment of transition, right? Mm-hmm. Over over a period of time, right? Um, without it, the probability that that's going to happen is it's just going to be so much lower. Yeah, that stability first, right? And not all of them, I suppose, will make it, but uh, I guess. There's there's a term, it's called functional zero, right? Uh So the the goal is 100% of the problem. And you can apply this across the board in pretty much any situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My goal is to solve 100% of the problem. We know that humans are messy, right? We know that we can't get every single person off the streets or out of the woods, right? We're not going to solve that problem for everybody. But that's why we use the term functional zero. So you're going to get as many people as possible. But the, the only way to do that is more solutions. All right. Let's go to the phones. Tim and Everson's been holding on. Hi, Tim. Yeah. Hey, I, I really appreciate uh, your last speaker's comment because everybody doesn't want to get off the streets. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. So. I suspect most everybody wants to get out of a tent when it's freezing cold like it well, has been. They, they, you know, if you, if you look at this, and not to cut you off there, um, I'm sorry to get your name on the caller, but, but it, people run the gamut. You've got people who are just super poor, right, who mm-hmm. maybe have just lost a job or, or, or can't, and they're suddenly living in the car, all the way down to people who literally just don't want to live indoors, uh-huh. right? Yeah. And well, everybody yeah. in between, mm-hmm. Absolutely. right? So that's why we use the term functional zero. Okay. Nice. All right. Uh, let's go to Doug in Bellingham. Hi, Doug. Hey, Joe. Uh, Mike and Scott, thank you for having this discussion. Yeah. And uh, thanks to the folks who are listening in. The first thing I'd like to say is um, when we're living from our authentic self, our true self, what we see when we see a homeless person is ourselves. Literally, that is me living on the street when we're living from our authentic self. And the problem is we've built all these walls around ourselves that one of them is money. Um, and money doesn't actually exist. It's, it's a figment, an agreed-upon figment of our imaginations, or, or a better way of saying it. It's a delusion, and, and eventually it will be eliminated. Uh, but in the meantime, we have to recognize when somebody is homeless on the streets, the way our mind sees that person is that person is me living on the streets. Okay. Well, appreciate that empathy. That's. Uh, I mean, I will say, um, functionally, that money does matter, and it's and it, and it, and it will. I I I respect the philosophy yeah. of what you're saying. Yeah. I don't respect it to the point where it's not actionable for people that are suffering, and they actually do rely on that money. That is real and has real world implications, and that is why we rely on our developers and we rely on our the state to uh, ensure that we can build the homes that yeah. cost money. And that's, you know, that, that, that's, that brings up a really good point. So we, we talk about people who are just really, really poor or otherwise are on the street for whatever reason. But there's also a shortage of homes for just everybody, right? So in, in yeah. Bellingham alone, it's 54. If there, if there was a – I'm going I'm to throw this out there before I give you a percentage, right? If there was a single largest voting block of people in the county, it would be this group, uh-huh. renters. Well, yes. Renters oh, are the yeah. single largest voting 56% block. 56% of 
Whatcom County is, okay. is renters. Yeah. So, so when you've got fifty-six percent of people that are renting, right, and we see, you know, we see um, the cost of housing go up and up and up and up, and and sometimes it's because it can, and sometimes because it has to. Then, you know, uh, we hear numbers like um, uh, we need, you know, almost eighteen hundred houses to be built every year just to keep up, and mm-hmm. we're not even getting anywhere near. That's for the county. We're not getting anywhere near that number. That means mm-hmm. the existing housing stock is going to get more expensive. So the people that are struggling are going to be even closer to being unhoused. Yeah. We have to increase our the number of units, homes, they are homes, but um, the, the number of homes that we need to build every year by our our greatest production year, we need to increase that by 28%. Wow. So we, we need to get to our best and then increase it by 28% yeah. every single year to get to the 34,000 homes that we need built. And... Um, I've, I've heard this term before, and I, this is a little bit of a tangent, but I've heard the policy pushed that 50% of the homes should be, um, should be built by the state, basically. Right. If you do the math on that, let's round up to 40,000. Yeah. Let's uh-huh. say we need 40,000. Let's say that 20,000 20, of those will be built by the state. You're looking at 10 billion, over $10 billion to build that. I want those, I want those built. Yeah. I want those built yeah. at that AMI to support the people that truly need it, it is not financially feasible. Well, so we need we need the state, we need the private yeah. development. Well, let me jump yeah. in there, yeah. Yeah. right? Yeah. So uh. so if anybody um, yeah. was watching the primaries this year, you may have heard me pitch this idea, right? A mm-hmm. lot of that that ten billion dollar investment yeah. can be paid back by rents. Yeah. Right. So, I'm at the upfront capital. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm uh, talking about the upfront capital. Well, like uh, I can yeah. tell you, we're well, the a, top five economy on, yeah. out of the 50 states. We yeah. can we can borrow. I'm sure we can borrow the money without hurting our, our borrowing. I want it to yeah. happen. I just uh, want it. I just yeah. want to know how it's going to so, pan so out. So it's not like you're <laughs> seeing the, 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 so the political yeah. reality. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I just well, want well, to see it's it's financial reality. It's important to point out because a lot of people say, oh, we're going to spend four, five billion, six, but whatever the number is, right? But if you if you're looking at subsidized affordable housing versus just un or not for profit affordable housing, right? Yeah. And that's where the state can really make a big difference with that not-for-profit affordable housing. Because if the state does it, they don't need a, a rate of return. They just need enough money to do the maintenance, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Um, and that's what's going to bring that that new housing is doing it at, at that at that way. All right. Yeah. We'll take I'd a quick break it. and uh, talk, talk more housing and homelessness in just a moment here on KGMI Connects. Uh, we've got Scott, P, uh, Scott Pelton rather, here uh, with the uh, Whatcom Housing Alliance, also Mike McCauley, and uh, your calls as well in just a moment here on KGMI Connects. It's the final weekend of DeWarden Bodie's 77th anniversary sale and your last chance to celebrate and save big on their huge selection of mattresses at the Meridian Mattress Showroom next to Home Depot. Explore the largest inventory of mattresses from Tempur-Pedic, Stearns & Foster, and Sealy in Whatcom County with over 35 beds on display ready for you to test out and take home today. Get the mattress of your dreams with absolutely no money down and no interest for up to four years on select purchases. Plus, score deep discounts on floor models and closeout mattress savings up to 50% off. DeWard and Bodie will professionally deliver and set up your new mattress for you and even haul away and recycle the old one. They also price match any local competitor on in-stock mattresses so you know you're getting the best price available. That's why your friends and neighbors shop at DeWard and Bodie. For 77 years, they've had the best prices, best selection, and best service. Don't miss the final weekend of DeWard and Bodie's 77th anniversary sale. Financing OAC offer qualifications apply. 
Hi, this is Marcia Neal. You probably know me from Vibrant USA. We are excited to announce we are now Guided Solutions. That's right, we have a new name. We are continuing to offer our same great services and look forward to hearing from you. Are you approaching retirement and need help navigating Medicare? Are you on Medicare and want updates on potential changes for 2024? Our agents are here to help, so give us a call at 866-733-5111. Sure, there are many contractors who promise quality construction, but few with 45 years of experience that you can trust. Good news, there's Honkoop Gravel. They have professionals with experience in site prep, drainage systems, house foundations, and custom projects all under one roof. And with 45 years of service experience, they do it right the first time. Honkoop Gravel, the full-service civil contractors you can trust. Honkoop Gravel in Linden, or visit honkoop.com for information. Hello, folks. This is Phil George. I'm an elder law and estate planning attorney here in Bellingham, and I'd like to invite you to join me every Saturday and Sunday at 1 p.m. right here on KGMI for the Aging Hour. If you have questions about Medicare, Medicaid, long-term care costs, probate, wills, trusts, or anything else that has to do with aging, this is the radio show for you. Studies show that more than 70% of estate plans fail when families need them the most. Join us every Saturday and Sunday at 1 p.m., and we can show you how to set your family up for success. We're taking your calls live on KGMI Connects. 360-676-5464. We'll take your calls. Uh, we got a few folks on the line here in the studio here with us. Scott Pelton with the Watton Housing Alliance and uh, former Port of Bellingham Commissioner and current builder, Michael McCauley, here in the studio. And um, let's go back to the phones. Lyle in Ferndale joins us. Hi, Lyle. Hey, guys. How's it going? Very good. Very good. Good. Hey, let's talk about some numbers. Um, we like to throw out numbers that sound nice, and 12000 is just the start. Uh, well, what well, about for, the, for the, the tiny homes? You're talking tiny about home, the pallet. Yeah. For your yeah. tiny homes, yeah. 12000 yeah. is just the just the entry fee. doesn't uh-huh. include any site acquisition. It doesn't include any infrastructure it doesn't include there's so many things that aren't included there and i think we need to very mindfully enter into these kinds of programs counting all of the costs um i think joe mentioned and asked questions about case management um if we use 22 north as an example their case management and services run about fifteen hundred dollars a month per person oh per person okay first per resident Per resident, for 40 residents. Okay. So um, they come in every six months and ask the county for about $350,000 for that. Um, so as you can see, we want to mindfully enter into public housing that's subsidized because what happens is that it will continue in perpetuity because to not continue to fund this thing that we create will leave someone unsheltered. Yeah, yeah. Like Lyle, that's a, that's a thing that's been really important to me, is, is looking for solutions that, um, I, I call them the, the, the subsidized ones and the unsubsidized ones, right? So the, so the unsubsidized solutions are permanent solutions. The subsidized solutions are interim solutions, because you, you, if, if you have an, an, um, an unfriendly legislature one year, suddenly your budgets are gone, right? And, and when and your organization's working off of grants, it's always a little bit tenuous, okay? Because there's no such thing as a permanent grant. So the when we look at which programs or what whatever we're going to set up using, uh, you know, free money, 
or or not free money, then that we got to be really careful with the free money because if, if we run out, we can't just stop doing the work, right? right? So you got to be careful okay. how you set that up. All right, let's go to uh, Rich in Ferndale. Hi, Rich. How's it going today, you guys? Very, very well. So the ideas I have, there's a lot of cities and counties and even the state. They own a ton of land in different places. Some of the land is half useless, odds and ends parcels. The state owns a ton of timber. Why can't they have it milled in trade for other timber harvest? And why can't the municipalities donate a piece of land? And then all they would have to do is contract the labor to build these things. You could get it done really cheap, really fast, if all you did was hire the labor. And then DSHS would just have to manage the people that go into the program. We have all these bureaucratic entities that could work together and find real quick solutions. The only thing they'd have to do is change the rules here and there because, hey, do we want to have people in houses or do we want to bow to the bureaucratic red tape till kingdom come, you know? If you want to do something, it can be done. They just got to have the willpower to do it. We're both going to say yes, right? I'm I'm totally (laughs) in, but I think the the, uh, the, I love that idea. I I think the the one thing that pops out for me first is is that yes, um, but also what we've learned cities and um, state organizations don't usually do as well being a developer, right? Mm -hmm. And, And they're not in the business of development. There has been an idea proffered from um, certain individuals in our in our city that are interested in taking on a, a PDA, a public development authority, mm-hmm. um, and I know that was that happened. Uh, previous we did months, have one. We did have one. Yeah, but um, I think I mean that sounds awesome. Let's yeah. let's make it happen. <laughs> right. I think it's there's an onion like like all things, but yeah. Right, you just got a few minutes left. Uh, let's go to uh, Anonymous in. <laughs> Hi, Ann. Hello, Ann. <laughs> Ann. Anonymous, are you there? Yes. Hey, how you doing today? Very good. What What are your thoughts here? You know, you guys keep talking about affordable housing, and as far as Watkin County goes, I don't think that's that's even in the realm. I'm trying to do something, and I can't even get the county to get a hold of me. You know, it's almost like you got how how many pockets you got a line before you can get a doggone permit around here. That's. I mean, I don't know what your situation is. I think I would just speak generally that. Uh, something I think we'd all agree, even the, the county and the city would agree, is that we need to be better about streamlining permit processes. Yep. And okay. uh, what that comes down to, though, I forget your name, that is a that is a personnel and a hiring issue. This is our our planning departments work incredibly hard. They're incredibly talented, and the ability to hire and pay and retain is a is a is an issue. Um, and so we need to hire more. That means more money. That uh-huh. means more budget. And it's it's a very complicated process. But yes, we would love to streamline permitting. All right. Yeah. yeah. A lot of us have ideas about streamlining. Yeah. Let's go to Vern over in Ferndale. Hi, Vern. Yeah. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Maybe these these fellows know about the two hundred houses that are in storage down in King County or Pierce County. I'm not sure which. Mm-hmm. And what the problem is, they can't get them out of there and yeah, I, the last I heard was they were hoping to get rid of fifty of them by the end of the year. And I don't know if those are tiny homes or pallet homes, homes. What are they? Huh. Do you know anything about that? No, I, I had two hundred homes stored. I'm wondering where they're stored. That's kind of yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That makes sense. I mean, maybe they're tiny homes. I was thinking they could be modular, which is uh, you know something else. Uh-huh. Yeah. I don't know what to. I don't have comment on that. Yeah, I, I can talk tiny homes and modular homes. I used mm-hmm. to build modular homes. Yes, uh-huh. yeah. You're 316? You're in there? Yeah, I was, I, when I was younger, I built, uh, oh. I, I, when I was in college, I spent a couple of years building uh, 
um, three and a half complete houses every single day, and the average mm. is maybe seventeen, eighteen wow. square foot homes. You know? Wow! So you can you can churn you can churn out uh, if you if you applied that sort of um, process. So in that factory, there were four hundred of us. So if you applied that process to this problem, and uh, you were building for tiny homes, so you're in that you know three to four hundred square foot. Um, standalone, yeah. you know, tiny home. Um, in that case, you, you could be you could be doing dozens per day, hmm. and uh, we could be tackling some of this problem. You know, maybe like w- what Rich was saying. Uh, let's just bring the lumber in. Let's start building. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Yeah. all right, let's go to Alan over on Lummy Island. Hi, Alan. Hi. Uh, hi. I hope everybody's okay. Uh, I just wanted to say that very seldom do I agree with uh, Rich from Ferndale, but. <laughs> From what he said today, I'm in 100 percent agreement. All right, well, that's that. Nice. Thanks, Bob, yeah. or thank Alan, rather. Uh, and well, let's bring Bob in. We got about uh, 20 seconds here, Bob. Go ahead. Uh, hi, Joe, and uh, guys. Uh, thanks for what you're doing there. Uh, I wanted to comment on Mike's uh, call earlier. Uh, the cost of his 66 unit. I mean, that computes out to like 272,000 a unit. Uh, I've been an investor and realtor broker for the last 50 years, and, you know, it's hard for me in my mind to keep up with the current prices because I can remember when, right? But uh, the fact that nobody's willing to pay that price, the cities of the government, is ridiculous. I remember Lars Larson hearing him a couple of years ago on his program talking about a, a developer in Portland that was building units for 190000 square uh Okay. A unit, and uh, the city wanted to w- would not even talk to him. You know, they want to spend four, five, to six hundred thousand per unit, and uh, you know we can. It's not the city and the county that's paying that; it's us, the taxpayers, that are paying that. And we just need to see more frugality in our local government. All right. Okay. Appreciate your thoughts, Bob. And uh, we're just about out of time, but. Uh... Guys, a great conversation. We'll have to do this more often. I'd love to. Yeah. And uh, well, well, you know, Joe, I think more often is is really the the key to this conversation. If if we don't find new solutions, we will not catch up, let alone solve what Mm -hmm. we need to do. And yeah, and it's easy, easy to, well, it's like when you see someone uh, on the street who, or uh, someone living in a tent, turn and walk the other way, pretend they're not there, (laughs) unfortunately. too easy to do that sometimes yeah, yeah yeah well thanks for coming in both you guys well like i said we'll do it do it some more thank you Joe. yeah thanks, mike mccauley and uh, scott pelton and uh thanks for everyone who joined us here on kg mike and x we'll be back monday four o'clock hope you have a great weekend when it's happening in whatcom county it's on kgmi and kism hd2 bellingham from the west mechanical studio